Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Praise God. Um, the Lord said to me, um, what I'm about to do, you can't do it. Yeah, over there he said, tell them what I'm about to do, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. I have to do it. So trust me. Uh, wonderful. All right. Our brother David preached a wonderful message last Sunday about waiting on God. Where is he? There you are. About waiting on God and what needs to be done during the period of waiting. Okay. Um, such a true word. Such a true word. What needs to be done, Lord? So, a little bit of prophetic words that we've had over the ministry this year. I think we've actually had a lot, more than I can remember, in a long while. Um, So 8th of January, the Lord began to say to us, for behold, I am doing a new thing in CCF. Remember that? Okay. And it starts today, he said. Pray it in and agree with my spirit. Watch and see and know that I am your God. Mountains shall be removed and new chapters shall be written. Make a note of where you are, where I will take you much further than you have ever been with me before. Draw a line over that which failed before, for I am now doing a new thing. Be on your guard. Hold on to this hour, to this moment. Do not let it pass. You must acknowledge the change in season and reap the benefit of what I am doing. I will not relent until I have it all. He says it again today. For my will and my purpose shall be seen and you will call. No, you will. Yeah, you you will come to know that I am truly your God. Be of good cheer for I've overcome this world. Okay, so that was just the start. Okay, and then a couple of weeks ago, 31st of March, a few weeks ago now, um, he spoke further. And he said, pray that you would all catch a light in CCF, that I would first purge that which needs to be purged and then ignite all of you. You know that I am looking to bring revival into CCF, don't you? It's going to come. Tell everyone it's going to come. Tell everyone that they should not leave for it's going to come. Now, it's not my reputation. That's God's, you know, I'm just saying what he's saying, okay? You can believe it. I hope you do. I hope you pray for it. Um... And I said, Lord, so am I speaking about revival today? And he said, no, you're not. You're speaking about purging today. Yeah, he always gives me the good ones. He said, yeah, your message is the purge. The final thing that the Lord actually says on on, on that, he said, don't underestimate what I am doing 
in CCF is much bigger than what it looks like. Look around and just pray it in. All right, so look around you. It's not really what you see in the, in the natural, okay? If you're sensitive to the spirit, you know something's coming. I know something's coming past it. We all know something, something's happening that's not happened before. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, but the Lord says, before that comes, there's some things I need to do. I need to do it. All right. The purge. We can also say refining, okay? The Hebrew word translated refine um, is tzoraf. Don't know if I pronounced it right, but it's tzoraf, which is T-S-A-R-A-P-H, which means to smelt, refine, test, test, and to prove true. Smelter, refiner like a goldsmith. Okay? The same word is rendered also. Tried, melt, as we see in Jeremiah 6, 29, and purge, Isaiah 1, 25. Okay. We probably all kind of know what I'm go- where I'm going to go with this. Okay? Um, and you're probably all sitting there thinking, oh, here we go. Right? Um, but we need to see it in a in the perspective of God is good, okay? I mean, he is so good that the reason why he's talking about purging is because he wants to go deeper in us, okay? Um, So that we can go higher in him. Because what's about to unfold, in order for the spirit to really move, that's what needs to happen. So he needs to get rid of the impurities, that interfere with the luster of the gold that you are in Christ. Okay? Purges to remove by cleansing, to get rid of sin, guilt, defilement, and to be empty. Hold on to that word, to be empty of that which should not be there. It is an involuntary spasmic movement bit like vomiting that is ejected from the heart some things need to come out of our heart okay don't sit there and squirm and think oh, I'm alright I did and the Lord said you're not there's things in you that need to be dealt with okay when God wants to purge someone or something out of your life, it's like, hmm, he comes without warning. But you know what? By his grace, he's telling us what he's about to do. So spiritual purging, this is part of spiritual growth. You cannot grow without this happening, okay? You cannot go from here to here without some level of that needs to go. It is a process within our Christian walk. Things that are not like Christ have to be removed. They have to go from our lives so that spiritual maturity can be produced. 
Okay, now I'm talking in the singular, but I'm also talking in the corporate, this body here. We need to mature in certain ways, all right? Um, it never feels good at the time. But again, I say, even though the heat of the refining process or the purging process is there, it is the love of God, okay? It is his love. The good news is that the Holy Spirit guides us completely through this every step of the way. And our job is to allow him to do a perfect work in our willingness as he prepares us to go from glory to glory. All right. Now, God is his Holy Spirit is gentle. Right. But if you resist, he's going to make a mess. OK. If you resist a force that is irresistible, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. All right. Um, and I say that lovingly. There you go. Kindly, gently. He wants to take us higher in his presence, higher than we've experienced. And we've experienced a lot. He wants to go higher and deeper. He wants us to be more able to serve him but we cannot go higher and we cannot go deeper with weights attached to us, all right? These weights must be stripped off or purged. So let's have some scriptures. So Hebrews 12, one to two, you all know it, but I'll read it. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we have borne testimony to the truth. Let us strip off and throw aside every incumbent's unnecessary weight and that sin which so easily or so readily, deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so we have to cast away these weights. Very important. Such impurities and contamination are barriers to God's children to receive the spirit in greater power. And we do need that. We want to see healing. I mean, we want to see healing a common thing. Daniel wrote prophetically of the refining that God performed in his people in the last days. Okay, so he talks of where we are now. What have we got? Daniel 11.35. And some of those who are wise, prudent, and understanding shall be weakened and fall. Thus then, the insincere among the people will lose courage and become deserters. It will be a test to refine to purify and to make those among God's people white 
even to the time of the end, because it is yet for the time God appointed. So he's talking about our time, the end times. So he's saying there is a specific purging, refining that is upon God's people now. And I take it one step further. There is a specific refining in CCF's people. And I will say, I've got a lot more to say, but there's one specific for us, you know. And that's what I'm talking about today. All right. Um, So what has the Holy Spirit been saying to me? This is going to move, isn't it? Got you now. First thing he said, I am now removing what has been placed in you because of your relationship with the world. You might say, I don't have a relationship with the world, Deji. Whether you like it or not, to some level, you have a relationship with the world because you live in it. You might not be of it, but you live in it. So you've learnt to deal with it, right? So you have to deal with the world and the world has to deal with you. But the Lord is saying, I am removing what has been placed in you because of that relationship, because it does not correspond to my kingdom. Okay. Let's have a little bit more scripture. 2 Timothy 2, 20 to 22. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of wood and earthenware, and some for honourable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honourable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. Shun useful lusts and flee from them and aim at and pursue righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living conformity to the will of God in thought, word and deed, and aim at and pursue faith, love and peace, harmony and concord with others in fellowship with all Christians who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. That is a massive scripture, okay? And what I want to highlight here is we are to shun these things when God exposes them, okay? He said, you cannot do this he will expose, we are to shun. Okay? This is what he's saying today. Because there's things in you that need to come back from wherever they were and go. And you're not aware. We're not aware. I'm not aware. Okay. So what next did he say? He said, be expectant for I will purge you by fire and sift you like wheat. You must put yourself in my hands. Now I said, Lord, that's strong. And he, and he, and he meant it. He meant that. 
purge you by fire and sift you like wheat. To sift as wheat means to separate the grain from the chaff. To make a close examination of all the parts of something in order to find something or to separate what is useful from what is not. Be expectant, he says. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, you should be exceedingly glad on this account, though now for a little while you may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations, so that the genuineness of your faith may be tested, your faith which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Anointed One, is revealed. Now, I'm a metallurgist by trade, although I don't practice it. But I did material science and I did a doctorate in high temperature electrochemistry. Okay? And when a metal is exposed to a hot and aggressive environment, the worst things in it are shed. Okay? No matter how well you've designed the material, the heat and sometimes the pressure will bring out the impurity. So it can be scraped off or it can fall off. Okay? It is impossible for that to come out without the heat. Okay? It is impossible. We have to submit to the refiner's fire. Okay? The Lord said, I want you to know that the refining fire of my love is hot, but it does not burn. It does not burn you, for it is not unto destruction. Okay? Isaiah 48, let's go to the Old Testament. Let's see what they said about the refining. Isaiah 48, 10, 11. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried and chosen you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. I refrain and do not utterly destroy you, for why should I permit my name to be polluted and profaned? Which it would be if the Lord completely destroyed his chosen people. And I will not give my glory to another by permitting the worshippers of idols to triumph over you. God is not destroying you, okay, by this process in no shape or form. It is about lovingly applying the heat of his refining process to bring out the rubbish that affects the fullness of his spirit in you. Okay.
Maybe some more scripture in a minute. Isaiah 1, 25 to 26. And I will bring my hand again upon you and thoroughly purge away the dross and take away all your tin and alloy and I will restore your judges as at the first and your counsellors as at the beginning. Afterwards, you shall be called a city of righteousness, the faithful city. After the process, what are they going to call us? What are we going to call ourselves? You have to ask yourself this, and this is from the Lord, not from me. What is it that you really want? Is it comfort or is it destiny? Right? Because you can refuse the refining fire of God. You can take yourself out of it. But what is it you want? Is it comfort or is it destiny? You see, comfort is here, destiny is here. He said, you are all being brought to the fire together. Be consumed in my love. So he's talking in the corporate. So he's saying all of you, this process is about to happen to all of us. I mean, maybe I should take a show of hands. Anybody in some refining at the moment? Or has just been through some? Oh, really? <laughs> suffer well, brother. Suffer well, sister. See the way says that, doesn't he? Okay, so the Holy Spirit went deeper. And he said this. The purging heat of my fire has three dimensions. Three dimensions. Talking to us. The first one is matters of the heart. The second one is the history that's been holding you. And the third one is your opinions. Okay. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about the first one. Matters of the heart. He went on and explained, because I questioned it. I said, Lord, okay, there's a big area. What, 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 what do you mean exactly? He said, it is about you withholding access for my spirit with respect to positions of your heart that need to be corrected or resolved. In other words, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to get into that chamber or that chamber. And he needs to do a work of excellence in that chamber. But you'll say, no, you can't get in there. There's a padlock on that part of who I am. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and tries the hearts. He's got to try our heart, you know. But he needs cooperation. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Similar. So, let's think about this a little bit. 
What is it that you don't let God touch in your heart? Is it something daddy did? Mummy did? Brother did? Sister did? Boss did? Is it pain? Pure pain? Is it anger at something or somebody? You keep the door locked and you say, sorry, Lord, everywhere else but not that place. I can't deal with that place. We must not forget the loving hand of the refiner. He will go in with a surgeon's scalpel, not with a blunt instrument. He will tenderly nurse his way through your wounds. No one else can do it. Why don't we trust him? Okay. Why don't we trust him? That's what he's saying. Trust me. But they keep the door locked, they G. They keep it locked. They won't let my spirit in there. Positions of the heart. And I cannot stand those positions. Because he looks in the heart first. So every time he sees you, he sees your eyes. But he can't turn away. I will never leave them nor will I forsake them. He has to deal with you in that state. He has to deal with us. Sorry, Lord. Sorry. (laughs) Next one. You can hear me. Wrong motives in my kingdom. I thought, wrong motives in the kingdom of God. Okay. So he explained. Treating my kingdom as a commodity. A commodity is something you trade for personal gain. I hope that's none of us. But I know in some little way it is. James 4, 3 to 4 says this. Or you do ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures. You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. That's why it says that relationship with the world, I'm coming to deal with it. Okay. Now I know in the major, you don't have wrong motives, but God is looking, looking with different eyes. Okay. And he's saying, in your prayers, there are wrong motives because I see your part desire is for something else. Okay? Now examine your last prayer for yourself and see if there's anything in it. I know there's one or two things in my prayers. (laughs) But you know what? Grace. Thank goodness, grace. Okay. Still on matters of the heart. One more. This one, Pastor said it this morning. He said, lack of love. Lack of love. Look at the person next to you. 
Okay? Just look at the person next to you other than the spouse. So, Femi, look elsewhere. Look at them properly. Properly. Reflecting on who they are. Now ask yourself, how much do you love them? Oh, okay. Now ask yourself, what are you willing to do for them? Now really though, what are you willing to do? You see, we all really are keen to see the Holy Spirit break out unrestricted with healings, signs and wonders, transforming every life in this room, in this building and in London. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, obey Jesus and love one another the way he told you to love. Not the way you think, but the way he told you. In deed and action. And then this will give you the correct condition of heart in God's presence. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. By this we shall come to know, perceive, recognise and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure, quiet, conciliate and pacify our hearts in his presence. So it's all about what we then are able to do in his presence when we love right. Love is telling us to love, basically. You see, pastor had it right. Highlighting that commandment. I give you a new commandment. That you should love one another just as I have loved you. So you too should love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. If you keep on showing love among yourselves. First amongst us. This is the one that the Lord is really ministering. We must love in deed and action, not just in words. I mean, I can't say it any different. I am not prophesying, but I have a strong feeling that the Lord is going to allow some purging experiences, opportunities to get our hearts right concerning this in this season, okay? I think, I, in fact, I know he already has. I've seen one myself. <laughs> All right. Number two, the history that's been holding you. Now, I straight away, I, I said, Lord, I thought at the time, I said, Holy Spirit, is this generational hindrances? Is this what this is about? Because we know that one is a real problem. And he said, no. This is not about generational hidden sins. It's where my children have done things in the past that make them feel unworthy. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. 
But if there's any feeling of unworthiness in you, God wants to deal with it today. So let's look at it. Even though we have truly repented with godly sorrow, we still remember that thing that happened that we did. It might be a bit of self-righteousness. It might be just because of the pure consequences keep rising up and slapping us around the face. And because of it, we are struggling. We cannot quite forgive ourselves or we keep wondering if I'm forgiven, why does it play in my head every day? Why do I keep seeing it? Why do I keep feeling it? Why do I keep, why do I keep having it on my mind? Because of the consequences, and listen, I'm not here to say, you know, you sin, you repent, it's all okay. There are consequences to sin. I was having this debate with Tina the other day. There are consequences to a lot of sin, okay? And God's grace can help with that, but some of it, you just got to tough it out. That's a consequence of what you did, and it will be a reminder of what you did. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, but you got a memory. Consequences can teach you. Yeah, they can teach you some bad lessons. This then leads to us being preoccupied with our past and embracing some level of unworthiness. So this is what the Lord is saying. The history that is holding us. Listen, the devil is a liar and the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12.10. He will seek at all times to use our past sins as deceptive barriers of unworthiness to stop us from feeling able to live in or even to enter the presence of the Lord. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away even those sins that we find difficult to forget. It washes them all away. I need to encourage you in this area because now I've said it, he's going to be there digging and poking. 1 John 1, 7. But if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. All. 1 John one nine. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will, in purpose, thought, and action. That means when you repent, right, of something, even the other thing that you forgot, that was small, you forget, forgot you did it, he cleanses you of that also. Yeah? So you can go in boldly, knowing that you're forgiven. You just have to say sorry, godly sorry, not worldly sorry. 
Psalm 103, 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great are, the, are his mercies and loving kindness towards those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You see, God, this is the picture. This is the earth and God's in the spirit. When we mess up and say sorry, he wipes the slate clean, right? There is no record in heaven, right? We're talking the eternities of eternities. There's no record of what you did. The only record exists on earth in your mind and in the mind of those who partake in some of the consequences. That's the only record, okay? But with God, there's no record. So we must not feel unworthy. You're worthy in Christ. You're righteous because you believe in him. Okay? Faith in the blood of Christ is the ultimate remedy for human guilt bringing full and final atonement to those who believe. Romans 3, 23 to 25. Okay. Hmm. God wants to purge us of all this kind of thinking. And this is the tricky thing because the way we think has been formed by what we've experienced, who we are and who we hang around with. This is why you must choose your friends carefully. And the Lord has to deal with that. He wants to redeem that way of thinking. He wants to redeem that way of thinking. But in order to do that, he must show us our thoughts and then we have to do something about those thoughts. Your thought life is so important because before there's an action, there has to be a thought. At the end of it, there may be sin or may not be sin. But it starts with a thought. All right. Now, I was going to go into what the blood has done. The blood of Christ. The reason is because I feel that it would soothe some misunderstanding. Okay. Um and help with the atmosphere because a lot of what we think is not internal. It comes externally, okay? So we start to hear what's in the atmosphere and if there is not faith in the atmosphere, we're hearing all kinds of stuff which is contrary to the truth of God's word. And when I start to declare what the blood has done, that has to go, okay? And then you, Receive what you already know afresh. Okay? The blood of Christ was shed for the remission of our sins. The blood of Christ we have been cleansed by from sin. We have redemption. We have been brought back out of the slave market. We have peace with God, absolute peace. You're not quarreling with God. The blood of Jesus has paid. You're not quarreling with God. You're right with God every day until Jesus comes back. 
we are afar off and made nigh. Ephesians 2.13. The guilt and condemnation we incurred through the breaking of God's laws is blotted out. Colossians 2.13. The blood bought us for God and Christ and made us his own peculiar possession. You're God's property. You don't belong to yourself, you belong to him. Purges our consciousness, conscious, so that our service to the living God might be acceptable, Hebrews 9, 14. It gives us an exalted standing and makes us kings and priests unto God. Listen that, devil. We are justified before God. It's like we are just as we had never sinned. We are sanctified. We have eternal security and the assurance of salvation. Hebrews 10, 10 to 14. We are made one with all other believers, both Jews and Gentiles in the new body of Christ. We are reconciled, made right or righteous with God. 1 Corinthians 17. We can enter into the holies of holies, that is, into God's presence in heaven. We have fellowship with God and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and with other believers. He purchased us an eternal inheritance. We have overcome the devil. All right. And the final one of the three, your opinions. So I asked the Lord about it and he said, the opinions that stand in the way of the truth. Okay. Proverbs 18.2 says this, self-confident fool, a self-confident fool has no delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions and himself. So what examples of these do we have? And I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about Christian views that stand in the way of the truth. Let's have a few. It's okay for a Christian couple to live together and sleep together as long as they are going to get married. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 1 to 4 says otherwise. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Dot, dot, dot. Tithing is not relevant for Christians. Matthew 23, 23 says otherwise. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and arise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So it's a done deal. You should have paid your tithes Anyway, okay. It is okay for a Christian to avoid paying 
the correct amount of tax. Matthew 22, 21 says otherwise. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. The Lord does not expect his children to regularly attend Christian ministry as long as they are reading their Bible. Hebrew 10, Hebrews 10, 35 says otherwise. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The final one. Some of the Christian Bible is no longer relevant, so you don't need to read it. Listen, there are churches that believe in this. This is not just anything that I'm saying here. There are Christians that believe this Nonsense. I've said it now. Second Timothy. Was that 316 to 17 says otherwise. All right. So opinions. You know, stubbornness. Do you know what that is? It's where you make an idol of your own opinion. Your opinion is not really important when it comes to God because... You're his possession. Last time I checked, when you wanted to put on your coat, it didn't say, I don't want you to wear me today. Did it? <laughs> All your shoes, I don't want you to wear me today, it's raining. They never said that to you, did they? And if it did speak, <laughs> exactly, you see what I mean? If it did speak, I know what you're going to say, I know what you're going to do, right? But we don't think of that when, you know, we show our opinion to God. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to go to church today, or you know, I, I don't want to phone that person who asked me to phone that sister that quarrels. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> we think our opinion matters, right? Don't we? Listen, the Lord wants to purge us of all the opinions of the world that oppose the truth of His Word. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adopted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Okay. All right. So what else has the Lord been saying to me? He said, um, CCF, I'm going to say, remove the veil from your eyes and choose to see the truth that my spirit has been showing you. Deep cries out to deep. The Lord has been showing us. <laughs> the Lord has been showing us things in dreams by spirit, in promptings, in words of knowledge, in rhema. He's been showing us things by spirit. Remove the veil from your eyes and choose to see the truth that my spirit has been showing you. Deep cries out to deep. Now that's a reference from Psalm 42, 
seven. I had to look this up because I was like, what oh, deep cries that do, Lord? What's he, what are you saying? Um, roaring deep calls to roaring deep at the thunder of your water spouts. All your breakers and your rolling waves have gone over me. Now, what is this saying? It's saying that the, the deep of man's need calleth unto the deep of God's fullness. And the deep of God's fullness calleth unto the deep of man's need. Between our emptiness and his all-sufficiency, there is a great gulf. Deep calleth unto deep. The deep mercy of God needs our emptiness into which it might pour itself. God wants us empty of the rubbish of the world. So he can pour in the fullness. He wants to purge us of everything that's getting in the way. So what happens after the purge? Now, David said this last week. He said, one thing he said was, bring, it brings more unity. And through unity, we can command the blessing. There is no way that the Holy Spirit can move in the way that we all know what revival looks like, if you read it. I mean, that is a serious move of the Spirit of God. Okay? And he has to deal with all of this stuff in us. I don't know what the time scale is, okay? I don't know. I only know that he said it and I've said it. That's my bit, okay? Now listen to what the Lord reveals about this church. I have been waiting for this ministry for 20 years so that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Just trust me. He's been waiting for 20 years. Now I thought, why would you say that? 20 years to the Lord is like half an hour in his time. Because the days of a thousand years. A thousand years of a day, sorry. But he said it so that we would know the duration that has had to transpire two decades in order for us to get to this point. Habakkuk 2, 2 says this, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end. Fulfillment, it will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behindhand on its appointed day. Now, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe Pastor Rod, He's probably thinking what's going on in C7 20 years ago. But he said, since that point, he's been waiting. Okay? Listen, there are some seasons in life's kingdom journey that God, and let's say that love, will not let happen until he sees that there is sufficient spiritual maturity to steward it. What always starts to come against any genuine move of God or major outpouring of his spirit or what it needs to come against itself is significant and always satanic in origin. But it comes from unexpected places, even from within the wider church itself. Not all of Israel is Israel. 
we've got to be able to steward whatever God is wanting to do and that takes maturity. Now I'm guessing that he's looking at us and saying, you're growing well, kids. And then he said this, I will not relent until I have it all. I will not relent until I have it all. That says to me, however long it takes, I will deal with you on this purging thing until the time is right. So the more we yield, the faster it will happen. Okay? I will not relent until I have it all. Very possessive words. And I'm going to leave it there with what I said at the beginning. Pray that you would all catch a light in CCF, that I would first purge that which needs to be purged and then ignite all of you. You know that I'm looking to bring revival into CCF, don't you? It's going to come. Tell everyone it's going to come. Tell everyone that they should not leave for it's going to come. So let's all submit to whatever the Holy Spirit shows us in our lives that needs to come out. If it's a pride issue, that one is, is, is God resists the proud. If it's a love issue, there's not enough love you're displaying. You know about love. We have the master teacher about love here. But if it's a lack of love, then love more. If it's polluted thinking, stinking thinking, cast down every imagination and every high thing that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Got to deal with your thoughts. If it's a lack of worthiness or unworthiness, whichever way you look at it. It's a lie from the pit of hell, daughter. It's a lie from the pit of hell, son. You are worthy. When I look at you, I see Jesus. You are always going to be worthy. If it's something else that Satan's lying to you about, we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Remember, the Lord said, there is no way we're going to lose a battle this year. Do you remember that one? There is no way we're going to lose. God is so possessive about this year for us. He is so possessive about his kids. There is no way we're losing a battle. Lord, I give you praise. I give you honour. I give you glory. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with your scalpel. Come with the refining fire. Come with the pressure, the loving pressure. Come. We yield ourselves unto you. Speak into that heart. All chambers are open today. Nothing is closed. Deal with that opinion. Every bit of God's word is necessary 
for correction, for teaching. Or listen, there is no part of God's word, even Leviticus. <laughs> Lord, bring correction. Holy Lord, do what you have wanted to do. All of us, leave no one out. Leave no one out. It's a, it's, it's a shepherd's fold. We're all in it. Leave no one out. Lock the doors, let no one leave. Have all the glory, Lord. We're excited. Have all the glory, Lord. We're excited. Have all the glory. Bless your children so they can be a blessing. Let us treat one another well so that all men will know that we are disciples of Christ. Amen. 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 We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 